Welcome to another Keel Hall Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Logan, and we've got a lot of Sea of Thieves news to cover today, so tie yourselves to the mast and hold fast. Ahoy there, pirates. I hope you had yourselves a good week and a good weekend. I know I did. This week, we got some Halo cosmetics as well as a new statue from Spur Creative. The Mixer Invitational went down, and I'm going to be talking about what I thought of E3. All that and more in this week's episode of Keel Hall Podcast. All right, first up on today's docket, last week I wasn't able to really talk too much about what was going to be happening with E3. Unfortunately, it was the uh, Microsoft uh, event and we got to find out a lot about um, what was going on with Microsoft, but going into it we kind of knew that there wasn't going to be any kind of information from uh, Rare as far as Sea of Thieves goes. And as such, I decided to take the time to talk about my thoughts on the arena. Now, I've been thinking a lot about it, and the more I think about it, the more I realize like E3 is kind of a gaming event. And while I strictly podcast about Sea of Thieves, I can't help but be enthralled with the the spectacular thing that is E3 every year. So I figured I'd take this episode and kind of break away from the Sea of Thieves news because to be perfectly honest, the whole team did. So if they're they're going to hold off on doing any kind of uh, uh, online promotion or weekly stream or weekly dev update or patch notes, things like that, I figured this would be a good time for me to kind of sit back, uh, enjoy E3, and really talk about some of the things that I'm uh, interested in and looking forward to for the next year uh, with gaming overall because I like playing other games other than Sea of Thieves just as much as you do. So with that, let's talk a bit about Sea of Thieves first because uh, this week we found out, and hopefully you got this, I didn't have a chance to, to talk about this because we just didn't know. It would have been great to have known about this and to let you know to do it, but um, we didn't We didn't find out until uh, the, the Inside Xbox event that happened this last week that... Everyone that logs into Sea of Thieves got these uh, Halo Spartan liveries. And hopefully you had a chance to log in. I feel like everyone that listens to the podcast probably does log in on a daily basis. So if you did, you've probably already gotten them. But uh, they had Halo cosmetics to kind of coincide with Microsoft's announcement uh, or, or at least trailer for the Halo Infinite uh, game that's going to be coming out as a launch title for the Project Scarlet. And uh, I'll probably talk a little bit more about that later on. But um, these these cosmetics are great. They they look like they pulled the colors straight from the uh, the the Warthog and the figurehead uh, was really just it was on point. Um, I was talking with uh, Busy Elephant uh, a little bit on Twitter, and he he was kind of hoping for a little more. Uh, true to the, the the aesthetic of Sea of Thieves where it's not so futuristic, you know, and, and I kind of see where he's coming from and I agree. I mocked up a, a quick little thing with an actual Spartan from uh, Sparta, the helmet that you see in like 300 and, you know, the, the Troy and all those movies that kind of focus in on, on the Spartan army. And while I thought it, it would fit, it didn't quite feel like Halo. You know, it, it, you knew it was Halo in the same way that, you know, like Banjo and Kazooie, the bird and the bear figurehead uh, is, is intended for that. And 
I kind of like what they went with. It's it still has kind of the spear and the Spartan with the shield, and it's got the 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 difficulty setting for. Uh, I can't even remember what it is. I think it's Elite or something. Um, shows how much I've gotten a chance to actually play much Halo uh, since the original one came out. And it, it looks great. They did a really good job. I think it's probably one of my favorite uh, livery sets overall that they've released probably since, gosh, what was, what was one of the ones that I think I really, I think I really enjoyed the ghostly, the Athena stuff. Um, you know, it's hard to say because they haven't had like a full set in quite a while. Uh, if you don't count the Wailing Barnacle or the Sea Dog set, the Sea Dog set's kind of a good, good basis for what you what you expect as far as like a, a fantastic kind of out there looking liveries. Sorry, I actually forgot. Uh, not the Wailing Barnacle. I actually mean the um, the Hunter's Call one that you have to get to level fifty to get the full set for, and. I, I'm, I'm glad that they that they just gave us the opportunity a year ago we found out that they were giving away cosmetics and it was kind of a bummer because the people that went to e3 were the people that got the codes and then they did some giveaways later on it's it's been a big kind of like work in progress so far for these liveries and these these codes that they've been doing and I think that they really they really kind of nailed the balance because anyone that went to e3 were given codes for these liveries since they weren't going to be able to log into the game which makes sense you know you spend a lot of money you go to e3 you're purposefully missing out on playing the game on your account and because of that you should have the opportunity to get a code to be able to get the uh the halo liveries that you would normally just be able to get if you logged into the game now these were available for everyone the social media sites were were constantly reminding people log in log in your time's running out you make sure you just log in didn't matter if it was arena or adventure you just had to log into the game so i'm hoping everyone that wanted these got these um and then at e3 we found out that there has actually been a brand new statue lissetti singh uh created for sea of thieves which is really really just awesome so and we found out that um a company called spur creative uh, is the company that actually made not only Lissetti's statue, but Bell's statue, Diving Bell, uh, who is is the the ghostly figure that's holding on to the, um, I guess it's be a beacon uh, or a, one of the giant torches that you've seen in the past. If you've seen any any images of Rare's like opening walkway to to their studio, uh, they always have this big figure, this big ghostly figure, um, holding onto a uh, a torch beacon thing. And um, we found out that it was Bell, and to come to find out that Spur Creative has actually made it, and they did such a great job with it. So kudos to that team for really, really just taking the 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 whole sea of thieves statues to to heart and really doing a good job with those i've been very very excited to see some of the behind the scenes for the bell one and some of their other statues as well too along with uh the the last bit of sea of thieves news as far as e3 is concerned goes was the sea of thieves arena mixer invitational and this is where we had five teams kind of going at it in the arena and uh they played i believe it was five games and out of the five games, uh, whoever accrued the mo most points. So at the, at the beginning, it was um, points one through five. And then the final match was worth double. So two through ten. And whoever got the most points.
points at the end of all five games won a gold-plated Xbox One X. And I was it was really kind of cool to find out that um, that this this was going to be the the the, the prize. Uh, obviously, like with with having you know tw- uh, what is that five times twenty players minus Joe uh, having nineteen uh, streamers kind of get in there and, and get their hands dirty and try and represent their teams and whatnot. It was it was really kind of cool to see just how um, how they worked out. And it was really kind of cool to see some of the people that I know and a lot of people that I don't know. And I felt kind of bad for some of the, one of the teams, um, O-Rhyme, I believe was the, the team patches. Their team actually had the hardest time. And I don't know what happened. It sounded from what we could find out that there were some disconnects and they were only a crew of three for a while. And it was kind of frustrating for them, and you could hear it in their voice. And they tried to stay positive uh, while Pete and Adam kind of hosted the the entire event. John uh, McFarlane would kind of walk around. He would he would kind of interview the different streamers who were the captains. And at the end of it, uh, Joe's team won the Shrouded Ghosts. Nobody saw it coming, uh, pun intended. And uh, it was really kind of nice because um, uh, it, it definitely had more of the Twitch streamers, even though this was a Mixer Invitational. It was nice to see some of the, the Twitch streamers who we've been familiar with uh, kind of win um, that, that gold-plated Xbox One X. So I, I don't know how, how eSports would work as far as being able to see what's going on for the arena i think you would definitely want to have a couple people to be able to have like overviews of uh what's going on instead of just swapping between cameras because even with the tags for people to be able to see like what crew color other people are in it is still kind of jarring to to jump from person to person so you're on a ship and then you're on an island with another person and you don't get a good overview of who's where and whatnot so having having maybe like a, an overview camera that can show like what crews are where on a map to see like you know is someone trying to go off and, and just get chests or who's who's duking it out and then kind of be able to fly in uh to to see the the fight overall i think things like that would be great giving giving them uh, the tools to be able to see the view uh, instead of just seeing like a, a, a one-on-one perspective from like each player's perspective. So uh, regardless, it was definitely kind of cool to see what pro play would look like with people who've been playing arena quite a bit or at least see thieves for quite a bit uh, to see some good competition. And it, it was actually a very close match. I think at the end of the, the invitational uh, Joe's team, the Shrouded Ghosts, won by four points total uh, compared to ex-soldiers, uh, the Purple Pirates, uh, who had actually tied for second, and then the Pizza uh, Pizza Cat crew, who um, came in with 16 points, and then Team Patches with seven. So overall, it was really cool to see just what Arena could be like when you have everyone fighting for like really good prizes um i i would definitely like to see where arena goes and what can be done to improve some of the different aspects that i talked about in last episode 
next up on today's docket, I do want to bring to your attention something that if you're interested in lore outside of the game, you definitely want to jump on this while you can. I don't know how long this is going to be uh, available, but as of June 15th, on Amazon in Comixology, uh, there is a new comic available. And I'm kind of curious what's going on here because it's called Sea of Thieves Origins number two, uh, suggesting that there is a, a another comic being the first one. This one's titled The Bonds of Union and it deals with the Merchant Alliance. Now, the reason why I'm impressing upon you the, the urgency of getting this is because it's free right now there's no price you can buy it for free and if you have the kindle app on any of your smart devices you can download it straight to that or if you use comiXology you can view it through there uh, i downloaded it and read through it it's um it's definitely something that feels like it's going to be a series that leads up to something different and i'm not going to talk too much as far as what's in it but it's definitely apparent that it takes place after the current events that are going on in Sea of Thieves right now. This isn't something that's happening in the past. This is something that definitely coincides currently with uh, not only what's going on with the previous series of comics, the original series, and the, the as far as like what's in the game right now. Um, there's nothing too spoilery, honestly, and nothing that really kind of hints at what could be coming um, aside from the cover. But again, I don't know if this is the intended price. I don't even know if this is intended to be out right now. The release date originally said that it was supposed to be out June 15th. You can get it on Kindle now. And that's there's no number one. And I'm trying to understand, like, what what the intended, like, why is it two? Why, why isn't it number one? And why hasn't Rare said anything about this? I haven't checked on any of the other Amazons in Am like Amazon UK or Amazon CA uh, or different countries as far as if this is available. This is something that I just noticed on uh, Amazon.com for the, the US. Um, and I, I can't wait to find out what's, what the story is about this. Like I'm sure at some point... Rare's going to put out a press release talking about uh, the new comic book series. They've been talking about this since New York Comic Con August of 2018. And now we've, we're starting to actually see it. It's still published by Titan Publishing. And uh, I can't remember who originally wrote it or did the artistry. But um, it, it still looks and feels exactly like Sea of Thieves, the first comic books, did. So I'm glad to see that. Uh, I want to... I want the other comics and if these are if if this is intended to be out like this if it's not intended to be free then whenever these do come out and they do have an actual price I will happily lay down the money to be able to pick these up uh, but for the time being I'm just going to sit here and kind of you know uh, 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 I don't even think like something maniacal think think the most maniacal thing you can think of and uh, I'll, I'll probably be doing that with these um, no that's dumb I don't even know what I'm talking about but yeah it's uh, it's cool to see that we're getting in origins they did talk about at the New York Comic Con panel uh, Mike Adam and Pete um, Adam and Pete of course if you don't know Adam and Pete are the two that are in charge of licensing and uh, uh, kind of working with other other companies to make outside lore and products for the game 
and Mike, uh, of course, Mike Chapman is the design director uh, for the, for the game. So basically, he's in charge of like everything. So if you if you're wondering why I, w- I only ever say their first names for some reason in my mind, um, but that's because I've been so used to ha- to like like working uh, around this area with them. So I'm looking forward to when we're going to be getting the Gold Hoarders and the Order of Souls comics. Uh, as I understood it, these comics, um, I believe they said that they were going to revolve around the origins of the trade companies. And that's exactly that's exactly what this number two is. The Spawns of Union is exactly covering the information that deals with how the Merchant Order got started. And there's definitely... Um, there's definitely even hints to stuff that I know I've seen Mike tweet about in regards to the um, to, to some of the different people outside of the Devil Shroud. Uh, so definitely, I'm, I'm going to have a link to it in the show notes. So if you want to look for it, um, if you don't want to have to search for it, you can just click on the link. It'll take you straight to uh, the, the U.S., um, Amazon and straight to it. You can click on it, download it. Like I said, I don't know how long this is going to be free and I appreciate that it's available because I really wanted to, uh, to, to actually to read it. But um, yeah, it's very cool. Uh, very, very cool to see this. I'm looking forward to when we get um, a proper release. Uh, kind of reminds me of when Thor Von Blitz found out about the Athena's Fortune book like six or seven months before it was released. All right, pirates. I have been trying to decide on how to go about wanting to talk about E3. Should I do it as like a bonus episode? Should I do it as like a different podcast? And until I get all that worked out, honestly, before it gets too stale of news, I wanted to kind of share my thoughts on how I felt this E3 went. And I'm going to go ahead and start off with um, the two major companies that actually had press conferences and kind of work into some of the, the specific companies that are making some of the games that I think I would be interested, or at least I think you would be interested, minus Square Enix. I think that's the the one company that I don't really care to talk about because I'm just not too interested in what they're doing. Even though people are going to yell at me because they're going to be super excited for the Avengers game. Yes, it exists. No, it's not canonical with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I probably won't pay any attention to it because of that. And two, Final Fantasy VII, because I've never played it. I have no nostalgia for it. It looks cool, but I'm probably going to be focused on many, many other games. So that's about as much as Square Enix as you're going to get out of me. Uh, Feel free to add at me. Feel free to tell me that I'm wrong and dumb and that I should be paying attention to those because they're going to be amazing for X number of reasons. But until I get some compelling evidence outside of the one cinematic trailer and the the amount of time that it it's taking them to release this Final Fantasy game. I'm really, really not impressed. Um, but I will. I, I do want to talk about what I am impressed with, which was Microsoft. And God, holy crap! You know, I've 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 never been a huge Xbox person. 
to be perfectly frank. In fact, I've never been a huge PlayStation person either. Um, but last year I picked up a PS4 and I picked up a bunch of the, the, the best games that are available that have been available that I got like super cheap, uh, which were actually super cheap this last E3 week for the summer play thing that Sony was doing. But without getting too distracted, um, Microsoft, I, I owned a, an, I owned the OG Xbox when that first came out I picked that up. I picked up Halo. I picked up a couple other games and I had a really good time spending hours uh doing halo land parties with other gamestop employees um back before they bought out eb games and uh it was it was a lot of fun i had a great time i think i ripped almost all of my cds onto that system so that i could listen to all of my music during uh crazy taxi and uh dead or alive beach volleyball um and it was just it was a lot of fun but i eventually sold that system and i picked up an xbox 360 back in 2011 for uh gears of war 3 and mass effect 3 um or maybe it was gears of war 2 and mass effect 2 i can't actually remember now which of those it was but regardless it was one of those things where i've had the systems but the systems haven't ever had anything that was so compelling that I felt like I wanted to, to stick with them. And as a result, I always kind of got rid of them shortly after having them. So as far as uh, as, as far as consoles go, I, I'm, I'm still not too interested in picking up. Uh, oh, by the way, it was uh, Mass Effect 2 and Gears of War 3. Those are the ones that um, the ones that I, I played back then. And then I had Zumba Fitness for my wife and uh, Connect Adventures for both of us. Oh, and apparently I, apparently I played Gears of War 2 as well and Gears of War. Apparently I actually played those. That's strange. I don't remember playing those. Anyway, sorry, I'm getting distracted. Um, so yeah, Microsoft this year. Holy cow really surprising they they put on a great press conference and i think that they punctuated different parts of it with highlights that i thought was really really good and the takeaway that i came with it was that microsoft is still committing to being very active for the next year and a half until project scarlet they announced a lot of different games that are going to be coming to multiple systems but they showcased them in a way that showed the the importance of why it's still going to be worth having an xbox system for the next year and a half and i'm i'm glad that uh they really kind of uh, sat down and really laid out some of the Xbox Game Pass stuff. Um, so if you haven't looked into it, or maybe you have, uh, there is a way that you can purchase up to 36 months of Xbox Game Pass or Xbox uh, Live Gold, I believe. I think it is. I don't have an Xbox console, so I haven't had to pay for that service because uh, the PC, we get it easy for whatever reason. But regardless, if you if you buy the maximum number of months and then for a dollar convert that over to Game Pass Ultimate, uh, it, it takes all of that and converts it all across. So you can get uh, Xbox Ultimate for cheaper because you purchase it at the lower price for Xbox uh, Game Pass. And then for the dollar, you just convert all of that over to Xbox Ultimate, which that includes Xbox Game Pass. It includes uh, Game Pass for console and PC, as well as Xbox Live. Um, definitely make sure you do that before you ultimate or before you, you upgrade to Ultimate to to lock in that that cheaper cost because Microsoft's aware of it and they're willing to do it. But I don't know how long that dollar conversion 
uh, buy-in price is going to last. They, they've just said that it's going to be available for a limited amount of time, and I haven't had a chance to check on that. I really got to say, Xbox is doing this Game Pass thing right. Uh, having a lot of their games come day one is excellent. Uh, it's it's why I picked up Sea of Thieves. Um, uh, or it's, it's Actually, I take that back. I didn't pick up Sea of Thieves on Game Pass. I bought it because I wanted the pre-order set. Um, and then I picked up Game Pass later on to be able to try out other games uh, because they had a console version or a PC version. So aside from the the Xbox Game Pass Ultimate or Xbox, yeah, I think that's what it's called. Um, they've they talked a little bit about Xbox Project Scarlet, which is also really like I'm looking forward to seeing how that is because new gen consoles are always amazing. And it feels like they're focusing less on like how many gigaflops there's for or there is for like the the actual um, the actual video card, and working on making sure that the resolution and the frame rate and load times are up to par. Like there's no point in playing a 4K game if there's a long load time. And the, the, the variable refresh rate is, is an issue where you're not getting that 4K all the time. Like having really, really good resolution with stable frame rates and fast load times to me is a lot more important than HDR or ray tracing. But they're looking on making like ray tracing something that is hardware uh, driven as opposed to software driven, which is such a crazy thing like to, uh, and a lot of people aren't aren't really looking at ray tracing and a lot of people don't know what that is and that's fine because it's kind of a, a term that's been bounced around for a long time but as far as i understand it basically what this does is if you hold your hand up in front of a light uh you can you know and you look at the top of your hand you see the light on top of it but the bottom of your hand isn't completely dark there's ambient light and that ambient light is light that's being reflected off of other surfaces and then back towards your hand so the bottom half of your hand is darker but comes with different shades of light uh, you're getting light from multiple sources typically you know your computer screen and the ambient light in the room uh, and all of that mixes together and that's kind of what ray tracing does is it pulls pulls lighting from areas that aren't aren't visible to you sometimes and uh, shows those on surfaces the way that they would in nature and having it being done by hardware as opposed to software takes a lot of the load off of having to render out stuff in uh, on the game it, it basically makes it um, a lot faster to process so you get better results uh, because of that so I'm glad to see that these that these newer systems that are going to be coming out are even more powerful. They're getting closer and closer to PCs as far as what's available, but still maintaining that um, that that kind of set specifics so that developers know exactly what they need to build for. And I think that's awesome. Um, let's take a break. But Microsoft wasn't just talking about their services and hardware. In fact, if anything, they didn't really touch too much on that. They actually went the other route and talked about acquiring Double Fine Studios to go in with their other studios that they've been acquiring 
and I think they're bolstered up to about 16 different studios now, which in my mind is insane because they're really setting themselves up to have a lot of content for gamers without requiring uh, third-party content. Uh, they're kind of doing what Nintendo does, where Nintendo has a bunch of teams and all of those teams have multiple IPs to work with and they're putting out content based on the regularity of those IPs. And Microsoft Studios is, is not necessarily going that route. They're going in the route that they're going to have a lot of different companies that they trust to make good games. But those companies are free to kind of make whatever games they want, uh, other than, say, like 343 and Rare, which are kind of the two staples as far as I'm concerned with Halo uh, and, and Sea of Thieves. I guess, I guess if you think about it technically, um, Gears of War and uh, State of Decay are the other two pillar, com- or pillar IPs that they, that they have right now. Um, but this Microsoft uh, is coming out strong. They're saying, look, we know we've got a lot of games and... One of the ones that they, uh, some of the ones that people are going to be looking forward to are games like Gears 5 uh, that they had a really kind of weird trailer for. And that's fine because at this point, I haven't played through 4. I don't know much about the story. And until I get that, I'm not too worried about, you know, Gears 5 coming down the line. I'll I'll probably check that out after I've gotten a chance to play through the campaign of 4, which I've, I've been told is really, really interesting. They also had a really cool, scary kind of game, which I always stray from because I'm such a, a pansy when it comes to uh, scary games. I, I scream and I and I don't want to play them. Uh, but Blair Witch is getting a game, which was out of nowhere. And it looks crazy, but good. And it was really strange because uh, up until the very end where they actually showed a guy with an old video camera and then there's a person in the corner. I was like, God, that kind of looks like, that reminds me of Blair Witch. And the next thing you know, they, they pan up and you see the top of the forest and it has the, the stick figure of the the Blair Witch icon. And I, I don't know, maybe they're coming out with a new movie as well down the line that we just haven't heard about. But uh, that, it's an interesting, interesting idea to make a game based on the Blair Witch. I think it's been done before. We'll have to see how this goes. It could be another one of those ones where you have the the one person who's like a super person going after the like kind of um uh dead by daylight and that predator game that's coming out that's an asymmetrical uh uh, survival game and there's there's another one too oh the um friday the 13th uh that i know cj loves so much um where you're you're uh jason and you're going after the campers uh seeing these kind of games come out has me excited i i'm i'm interested to see how those go and there's another one that's coming down the line too i'll talk about later on but Gears 5 and Blair Witch are great. I think the two that everyone or I think the two that everyone was really excited for though was basically Halo Infinite and Cyberpunk 2077. Now, if if you if you've been in the Discord, you probably already know or if you've seen me on Twitter, you probably already know this, but I'm a huge Cyberpunk junkie at this point. Like I I found out about that game last year or a year ago. And I've been excited and trying to decide when I want to 
or if I want to make a podcast on C- Cyberpunk 2077 because it's a single player game. It's got varying stories and chains. So there's some replay value there as far as making a different character and going a different route. But it's not an online persistent world. And we haven't heard much as far as them talking about post-launch content so starting up a podcast around that is is kind of hard to know like is it's going to be like a short-term game uh as far as like or short-term podcast as far as just making something and, and letting it actually quit uh after a certain amount of episodes or not but this game looks amazing it's set in a cyberpunk uh future um where body modification is just rampart it's something that everyone expects and everyone does and it's definitely like a dystopian future you know you have these giant stack tower buildings that everyone lives in and that's you know you're kind of down and dirty with everyone uh, that you live with and there's plenty of crime there's uh crime lords out there that are willing to to have you pick up missions to go recover stuff for people uh to to be able to get intel or to be able to um kind of go kind of go against the militaristic companies that are running most of the world now and uh it doesn't seem like there's really a military in place uh and it just it looks amazing um it's it's done by cd project red who were the ones that did witcher 3 which uh ironically enough witcher 3 uh the wild hunt uh, is a complete edition that is coming to nintendo switch and while the graphic fidelity won't be there because of the the just how how much effort it takes to make that kind of a game look good um they're going to have all the DLC for it and all of the DLC plus the game are going to be on the cartridge. Uh, they've actually opted to go with a 32-bit cartridge for Nintendo Switch just so that people don't have to download all of the game uh, under their system. Something that's been a huge pain point for anyone that's a, a, a Switch fan um, where you've had to buy like Bayonetta 1 and 2 and Bayonetta 1 is a download code or Resident Evil uh, 0 and 1 uh, where you have to download one of the games or any of the Meg- Mega Man collections where you have to download most of the games. And to see that they're willing to put all of the game on a cartridge makes me want to buy it, even though I own it. I own it on PC. I could play it in highest fidelity. I could play it with all the all the particles, all the JPEGs, and uh, and and I'm tempted to pick it up for Switch just because I know that that they put it all on the cartridge, and that's amazing. I might actually get a chance to sit down and actually finish it. So CD uh, Cyberpunk 27 definitely probably my number one game from any other company outside of nintendo at this point uh that i'm looking forward to checking out and to top it off the craziest thing was the fact that they had keanu reeves in it and keanu reeves is going to be a major character in the game in fact they even confirmed that he has uh the most dialogue next to the uh the main player the the person like your character uh because they're going to be helping you with everything they're going to be helping you understand like everything that's going on in the world or he's going to be uh helping you understand everything that's going on in the world his character's name's uh johnny silverhand or john silverhand something like that and uh in the in the rp books he's a major player he's he's a big person to 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 work with in the the rp books. so to have him kind of uh come out after the john wick films and uh the other games that he's been in and to to see him come out and do this is is great especially considering of how nice of a guy he is and how hard of a life he's led um outside of like making good movies so 
I am, I also think he's the one person that's been in more of any of the future cyberpunk version films. Like he's been in, he's done them all. He's Lawnmower Man, Matrix, uh, you name it. He's he's probably been the main John in it because it seems to be John with everything too. I don't I don't quite get that. Uh, but to see him come out and be charming and do do kind of a an introduction that if it had been left up to any of any of the people from CD Projekt Red or Microsoft probably wouldn't have come across as cool. But the fact that he came out and knew that he had to say like this canned summary of what the game is as if people couldn't gather it from the, the amazing trailers that they've put out. It was nice to see him just be like, all right, I know you guys are happy to see me. I just have I have to actually say this thing. I have to actually get this out there. So let me get get this out there. We'll, we'll move on. But thank you kind of thing. And that was cool. That was really, really heartwarming to see him uh, get so get so so much love from everyone. Everyone kind of loves that guy. And I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't. Uh, he's such a nice guy. Cyberpunk. Is set in a metropolis of the future, where body modification has become an obsession. You play as an outlaw, an enhanced mercenary working in the sleazy underbelly of the city. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but let me tell you, the feeling of, of being there, of walking the streets of the future, is really going to be breathtaking. You're breathtaking. <laughs> You're breathtaking. You're all breathtaking. All right, all right, all right. So I guess I got to finish this. So tell me. Do you guys want to know um, when there's uh, when it, the release date? The other two games that were from Microsoft's press conference that I think are awesome that I want to find out more about is uh, 12 Minutes. Uh, that's coming to Xbox One and PC. It's literally a time loop, and the each loop is 12 minutes. And as you play each loop, you learn more about what's going on, and you can shortcut conversations by... Uh, jumping the gun on people like they are playing out their lives as if nothing's changed but the more you learn the more you understand there's something that you have to do to to get out of this time loop and this is starting to be kind of a new version of a roguelike uh, I'm starting to see um, probably a half dozen games that have come out recently that are on these set time loops where you have to go out and do more exploration and every every time you go out and explore hopefully you're learning something new to get you further progress in the story to eventually get you out of the loop. Um, it's it's kind of cool. I like it. It's uh, it's kind of like a, a Groundhog's Day uh, thing where, where, you know, they're taking that concept of having to relive the day and not necessarily have to re relive through the day the same way that you did prior until eventually you get out of, of that, that, that day's time. Um, but giving people, you know, like a 30 minute loop or a 12 minute loop, it doesn't necessarily restrict you, uh, as far as how long you have to play. I just want to know, like if, if I put this game down for a month to pick up something else, how hard is it going to be for me to pick back up and kind of continue on with the rest of the game and 
The other game that I wanted to, to, to touch on from the Microsoft uh, press conference that I thought was beautiful was this game called Spirit Fair. And uh, they are like a, a ferryman for spirits, these animal spirits. And you play as this girl with her cat and you have some special powers. It seems like you have this belt that allows you to, to like manifest different things like a fishing pole or a pickaxe or oven mitts to pull out a cake. And you're on a boat that you build on and you can expand the boat. Um, it seems kind of like a, like Terraria where you're kind of like 2D platforming and you're on this one boat and you have to kind of survive the elements and get these animal spirits to wherever they have to go to pass on. And it seems, it just, it looks beautiful. The, the, the graphics for it are amazing. Oh, um, think uh the the other game that that was coming out that that kind of gives me the same vibes is uh ori and the will of the wisps or i, I can't remember if, if that's the sequel or if ori and the blind forest is the sequel one of those two is the sequel and i haven't played either of them obviously because i don't know which one's the first one and which one's the second one but they look amazing and i'm sure they're a lot of fun i just haven't had the time to sit down and focus on it if Ori in the Blind Forest was coming to Switch. I think that's the first one. So if I'm getting it wrong, forgive me. Don't at me about that because I just I'm not going to pause to look it up real quick. Um, then I think that's that's one that I would love to sit down and actually play portably because uh, I, I I love having these nice beautiful experiences that are something that still looks good even on a 720p screen that will kind of give me that good gameplay loop um, while I'm like playing during lunch or something like that. All right, so the the next part of E3 that I wanted to talk about is probably going to be Nintendo because I'm a huge Nintendo fanboy. I have been since I started playing games back in 19... Uh, let's see, it would have been 1989, I believe, because uh, I, I got my first Nintendo when I was seven years old, and I was born in 82, so I think that math checks out. So 89, I get a Nintendo. Ever since then, been hooked on Nintendo games. Uh, owned every console except for the Wii and the Wii U because I'm not touching motion controls. Uh, I just, I, it's, I, I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> I'm sorry. And, um, they had their Nintendo Direct, which, and then of course, like three days of Treehouse stuff, which is insane to have to go, go through all those, but it's, it's a lot of information. They didn't do anything too crazy this E3. I feel like everything that they talked about was kind of a confirmation of what we already kind of knew was coming. Um, the the major games obviously are the ones that I'm always always excited to to be able to check out. Uh, Cadence of Hyrule, the the Crypt of the Necro Dancer, featuring the Legend of Zelda, um, came out this week, and I've been playing that a lot during uh, my breaks at work. It's it's a really interesting take on Legend of Zelda, and I'm not quite sold on it. To be fair, I'm I'm not a huge rhythm person, and I'm even less of a of a, a roguelike person. But the the Zelda part of it sells it for me, and because of that, I've been having a lot of fun, kind of hopping around, listening to the Zelda music with a bit of a of a of a beat to it, and it's actually caused me to listen to a lot of Zelda music uh, just naturally from Spotify. So, which speaking of Spotify has a horrible selection of Zelda title uh, songs. Um, really disappointed. It makes me wish I had YouTube Red so I could just listen to people's OSTs ripped and posted. 
uh, the next game that I'm probably going to be picking up, honestly, for the Switch is going to be Super Mario Maker 2. I had I almost picked up a Wii U just for Super Mario Maker. I seriously considered picking up a, a, a Wii U just for that. And then I heard about the... I did little little research, found out about the 3DS and how it has like all the Zelda games. And uh, then I heard about the NX rumors. And then after that, I was like, all right, I'm going to hold off and see what this whole NX thing is about. And then when, when the Switch was announced, I was like, okay, I'm sold. That's got the new Zelda. I'm going to pick up that system blind, never, never looking back. So... Mario Maker 2 is a game that I know I'm going to be building levels in uh, where I originally didn't think I would build levels. I thought I would just play other people's levels and play the main campaign. But after seeing what you can do and how easy it is to build levels, I'm kind of excited to see like how, how good of levels I can make that are just fun. Not like I'm, I'm, I'm not looking to make something that's super hard. I don't need to be making stuff that's super hard. I don't, I don't need to focus that much effort, but I don't know. I just love good Mario levels and it seems like this is like endless Mario. So glad to see that the, the next thing that I'm going to be picking up after that is definitely going to be uh, the legend of Zelda links awakening. And to see the gameplay for this was, it's so beautiful. It's such a cute looking game. If you haven't seen it, it looks like everything is kind of made of plastic, but in a really endearing to true to nature kind of way. Like if, if the game boy had the, the graphical fidelity that, it, that the switch has now, I feel like when they melt, when they made links awakening, this was the aesthetic that they probably would have gone with because it's just that adorable. Um, it's still top-down uh, view. It's still ex- almost exactly like Link's Awakening from the Game Boy and the Game Boy Color. They even have the color dungeons from the DX version that came out forever ago when the Game Boy Color came out. The thing that's really cool is um, back then they had the Game Boy Camera. And if you ever played with a Game Boy camera, you knew you could print off your photos. And they had a special uh, uh, a thing in Link's Awakening where you could take photos in the game to progress and, and be able to print out photos from the game. They've scrapped that because obviously there's no camera on the, on the Switch and there's not going to be. But they put in a dungeon-making uh, kind of thing and it's kind of like Zelda uh, maker you know you get to you get these tile sets and these tile sets have certain things like enemies or torches or chests or keys items doors things like that anything that you would expect out of a traditional 2d Zelda game this is and this is kind of what these different tiles are and each tile uh, is is procedurally generated you can mix and match all of these different tiles on this uh on this map to create your own dungeon and some of these dungeons i guess are designed to get you items uh i think they showed like you completed one dungeon so you got like a bottle from it um and as far as i know this is something that you'll be able to share with other people uh i've heard that they've talked a little bit about how you should be able to give these dungeons to other people to play i don't know how that works they haven't really specified it as far as i've seen uh, i'm sure there's a lot of information in the tree houses that i missed um, even though i watched most of them on the the ones the titles that i was really interested in uh, this is still something that's just really really amazing uh, to, to be able to do I, I would look forward to the day where we have like a super mario maker for zelda 
or or Metroid even. Metroid, I think, would even be better because Metroid, you could take the tile sets from the different games just like Super Mario Maker and do the exact same thing. Place your own Space Pirates. Place your own uh, um, Chozos and, and, you know, add three or four Ridleys that you have to battle. You know, all those different things you could, you could totally do with uh, Metroid and just make a Metroid Maker. Um, the, the next two games that actually the the next game after that after zelda Link's awakening i'll probably be picking up one of the two pokemon games uh i think i've pre-ordered sword i think i picked up sword don't quote me on that but uh i'm definitely going to be picking up one of those i love this it looks adorable it looks like they're attempting to make pokemon in kind of Zelda Breath of the Wild, you know, where it's open world, you get to run around, you get to see the Pokemon and choose if you want to fight them. Something I loved with Let's Go uh, Pikachu. And it's a whole new group of Pokemon with a few of the old ones mixed in. And they're doing a great job. Uh, I, it's, it's amazing that these games come out annually and that they were able to switch, no pun intended, from the, the 3DS into the the Nintendo Switch so smoothly like we had Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee which is a remake of the original one uh and they've they've been able to come out with an 8th gen of Pokemon in uh the in in this new game so i can't wait to see like what is next year bring will next year be um the gold and silver versions of let's go and will the year after that be a gen 9 and they'll just go back and kind of revamp these old uh game boy games for newer players with these new mechanics because these are a heck of a lot better than random battles i gotta say i'd never been a fan of the random battles because I get two or three in and my Pokemon are almost dead and then I feel like I got to run back to town and I hardly make any progress even though my my player or even though my Pokemon are barely getting much XP. So, I've heard that it's better in in future games too. Don't don't I I I know. I I have one of them like Ruby Ruby uh I can't even think of what it's called. I've got one of them. I haven't played much of it. But uh moving on the the two main games that I think are coming out in 2000 at the end of 2019 and 2020 are Luigi's Mansion 3 and Animal Crossing New Horizons. Um, God, I loved my GameCube. I I think GameCube and Xbox in 2001 were the two consoles that I that I felt so and fell so much in love with. Obviously, I spoke about Xbox and doing Halo parties and stuff like that, but my GameCube, I got so much use out of that, uh, and I and I miss it dearly. But Luigi's Mansion and uh, Animal Crossing are the two main games that I played on that system, uh, outside of Smash and um, the the Star Wars Rogue Leaders uh, or Rogue Squadron games. And oh man, I can't wait for this Animal Crossing game. Having eight players, being on an island, having crafting, uh, having all the different things that that. I, you know, I kind of expected like would be in previous iterations of Animal Crossing games that I guess haven't been have really kind of, you know, really made me feel like I haven't missed out on much since uh, the GameCube versions. And I feel like this is the, the the proper progression for what you would expect a future Animal Crossing game 
now that we've got internet and stuff, uh, it only makes sense that you'd be able to play with more people and do more things and have a lot more control over stuff and to be able to build stuff from scratch. Um, I'm loving it. I think, I think it's, I think it's amazing. It, I spend so much time relaxing playing those different games um luigi's mansion just such a great game such a cute game luigi's my favorite per player out of the mario franchise and just one of those things where like he rarely ever gets to shine and uh having a mansion three with ghosts being a ghostbuster in a mansion with luigi like come on it's it's amazing i, I love the hotel aesthetic and going up the different levels and then they hit us with probably the thing that obsessed me the most with Cadence of Hyrule, with listening to Zelda music, with Link's Awakening on the Horizon. We found out, and actually, sorry, I had to, I had to take a drink there. I was getting kind of long-winded. But um, at the very end of the Direct, they announced that they are working on a new game. And this new game is probably the most amazing exciting thing I've, I've gotten to check out in a while they're announcing zelda breath of the wild 2 this game is going to be amazing i i cannot wait for this it's set in breath of the wild they've got the engine they've got the assets they're building on what they've got and there's been some debate on whether or not people think this is before breath of the wild 1 or after and Personally, I think it's after because Zelda and Link are together, but the champions aren't around. Even though the towers aren't there, I think the towers and the shrines all rescinded, uh, receded, receded back into the ground since Ganon was or Calamity Ganon was defeated, and you get this this dark toned version, this trailer of Zelda and Link die, like going down into this this temple uh that and they they you know they've got this giant yak and they got a whole bunch of wood and stuff there so obviously they've been traveling for a while and they get down to this this chamber that has a bunch of kind of spikes jutted outward towards the center of the room and in the center of the room there's this giant spiraling green ribbon of uh magic that's just kind of going up into a circle and then out from this this middle section there's uh, a whole bunch of kind of like creepy blue goobly stuff or black goobly stuff that's just like it's it's dangerous it kills rats it's a great pest control uh thing and they zoom in as they're walking down this walking to this chamber you see the walls uh, as they're passing by and they show the torchlight and it shows this painted figure on a horse holding a trident and their back has armor with the 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 icon of the gerudo uh, on there and he's holding this trident and that's uh, it reminds me of the trident of power from the minish cap game uh, or not minish cap game the four swords game where uh, Ganondorf got the trident of power and took on uh, Link uh, in the Four Swords. And then, of course, uh, that goes into the Minish Cap. It's it's all in the, the Child Era uh, timeline. It's I'm not even going to get into the Zelda timeline thing. It's a whole other thing. There's books on it that are revised editions and all that good jazz. But they find this mummified body in the center chamber that is like seeping black goo energy that kills stuff and on the chest of this figure is this gold hand 
or this white kind of uh, greenish like energy hand it has like gold kind of um adornments to it and it the the hand looks like it's something from twilight princess um uh, midna has has like her her hair that kind of acts as a hand that can do stuff kind of looks like that and the 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 green energy the spirals of green energy looks to be gerudo text uh gerudo alphabetic language and it says from what someone else has translated that i haven't gotten a chance to to check it out myself that it says seal ganon and this is the first shot of us finding ganondorf um the ganondorf that might have been from twilight princess who was killed in the middle of the field stabbed in the chest and then zant uh broke his neck and it was quite an epic scene if you ever got to play that game i i saved my gamecube just to be able to play it because i wasn't going to play it on wii because i ain't about that motion control and to see them to actually to see ganondorf and then to find out like and, and everything's cut like they're they're the the whole trailer is not chronological it is cut up and, and split up in different areas so you get peaceful you get dangerous you get peaceful you get dangerous and you see from what i've worked out in my mind the head canon that i've created link tries to touch or uh, reinforce or do something to this seal ganon spell i'm pretty sure he he screws something up and ganondorf uh comes back and his neck snaps back into place and his eyes light up and the whole ground starts to break away and zelda falls link grabs her he's losing his grip and then just as he starts to fall the hand that was holding ganon in place reaches down and grabs link's arm and then it cuts to the shot of link um or, or hyrule castle rising up from the ground and it's hard to know if the, if it's rising up to reveal Ganon's temple or if it's just rising up out of the ground. There's no way of knowing right now where Zelda and Link and Ganondorf are. But I do know that the Yiga clan from Breath of the Wild were worshipping Ganon. Uh, and they had a giant hole at the end of their dungeon thing that you kicked the final boss into kind of 300 style. Um, actually, I think it was he fell in his own stupidity, but um, there's a giant hole <laughs> in that in that area and we don't know what's in there. And in fact, uh, we have no clue like what's down in there. And it makes me wonder if they they if Lincoln Zelda went down in there in an expedition to find out like, you know, if they could find where Calamity Ganon came from to try and reinforce the seals that are holding him in place now uh from the seven sages uh, and i i can't i can't get over this trailer uh it's it's amazing it's it's one of those things that i i can't wait to find out what they're doing we're probably not going to see this game in the next two years i'm thinking this is going to be like a 2002 thing uh if it, if it's any any idea of like how they're how they're going to be able to do this because all the tools that they built all of that stuff was done in the Wii U. So I don't know how hard it's going to be to continue making that. If it's something that is going to come out for Wii U as well, 
or if they've been able to take that entire engine and port it over to uh, being able to make it for the Switch specifically using a little bit better graphics, using a little bit better frame rate to optimize it for the Switch. All that stuff is hard to, to do, and, and I kind of wonder if if they're going to have some of the problems that they that they ran into when they were making the original game to to, to come into the second one. Things that I know people really want, uh, no more breaking weapons and, and actual dungeons. Um, those are things that I, I'm definitely looking forward to. I, I would love to play a game where I don't have to constantly like pick up weapons or hold on to, to good ones. But uh, I know a lot of people still have a lot of fun with Zelda. I think the fastest time that I've seen for a, a speed run was uh, 28 minutes, which that's insane to beat that game in 28 minutes to be able to do that. But it's, uh, yeah, that, that's going to do it for the Nintendo section. I know this was probably the longest section, and I dissected the entire minute and a half trailer in, in like 30 minutes. But I had to get it out of my system. I had to talk about this. There's a few more other games that I think I want to talk about, but I'm going to cut out a lot of the other stuff. All right, Pirates. The last few games that I did want to cut and kind of touch on that I thought were really cool going in or coming out of E3, um, the Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order game. Um, this game did not present well on the the actual presentation, but I went back and I watched the actual trailer and the gameplay, and I'm kind of excited for it. I'm kind of looking forward to a, a Star Wars game, um, something that's done by Respawn. I haven't gotten a chance to play much of the Titanfall 2 campaign, but what I did play, I really enjoyed. And I think, I think I'm ready for another Star Wars game. We've had the movies. We're ending soon with the, with the Star Wars saga or with the, the Skywalker saga. And uh, it'll be interesting to see just how they go with an actual you know first player game something that isn't a battlefield game the other games that are coming out obviously the outer worlds looks interesting uh kind of future dystopian uh gameplay as well as uh borderlands 3 same scenario and um i'm kind of i'm kind of over borderlands 3 stuff right now I'm, I'm pretty good with just waiting for that game to come out and then play it there uh doom eternal Looks amazing. Can't believe it's coming out on Nintendo Switch. Same thing with Wolfenstein Youngblood. Bethesda spent a lot of their, <laughs> a lot, a lot of their press conference, uh, not apologizing for Fallout seventy six and uh, and and um, uh, oh my gosh, I just blinked on the name Blades, uh, Elder Scrolls Blades. But uh, they're they're doubling down. They're committing to working on their games, and that's exactly what I think they should be doing right now. Um, not a big fan of the. Of, uh, it's weird that Commander Keen's coming out of retirement in a new game. Uh, I think it's with his kids now, and uh, that's a weird IP to pick up and then put to mobile. Um, but you know, good good for them for for finding something different instead of just remastering something else. Um, it'll probably be. Uh, I think they were saying like Starfield and, and Elder Scrolls uh, aren't getting any major things um, for quite a while. I think ESO is still going strong. And Ghostwire Tokyo, which that's a game that we know nothing about, but it's going to be a spooky um, detective story style game that's coming out from Bethesda's one of their companies. And uh, they, they did a good job 
kind of selling me on the trailer. It looks crazy. It looks weird. I have no clue what it is, but I'll definitely look into it when it does. There were two games by Ubisoft that I thought was interesting. Watch Dogs Legion, where you can play as anyone. And they had the, the whole endearing like X uh, secret agent grandma kind of going around tasering guys and shooting people in the face and kind of like having a hard time but that's a weird one to to try and um build a game where you can play as any i mean they they say that you can play as any npc which kind of defeats the point of calling them an npc because then they would then they wouldn't actually be a a non-playable character if you can play as anyone so i guess the game is about having tons of different playable characters uh you just have to recruit them to help take down this post brexit uh london and uh that'll be interesting it's got potential but uh I'm, I'm curious to see the execution ubisoft makes great games as far as i'm concerned everything i played from them has been a lot of fun and then they're coming out with a zelda style game which is kind of uh, kind of interesting but it's it's got uh, greek mythology it's called God, gods and monsters very cartoon aesthetic um and very very kind of cool looking we got a trailer so i'm looking forward to seeing more actual gameplay e3 is kind of a weird thing though you know you, you get a lot of these games where you're basically <laughs> you're basically watching a bunch of companies do announcement trailers hopefully with some gameplay of games that are going to be coming out in around anywhere from you know shadow drop in the day of to uh you know a good like eight to ten months out if not further and with that it's like how how much can you really expect from companies to put gameplay and have that gameplay look like something that's going to be coming in the final build uh, of that game? Um, Anthem is a is a, a huge huge you know kind of thorn in the side of E3. Um, they haven't talked much about that game since launch. It it looked good when they showed it off at E3 2018, and then they said that it was coming out in 2019, and I said that's not coming out in 2019. That's getting delayed. But no, it it came out. <laughs> I didn't like the demo. I I had a really hard time getting past all the load screens. It felt like this game was made by multiple multiple people, and they all kind of came came together and duct taped all the different parts that they worked on together. Um, but that's one of those things like it looked good at E3 and it played horribly uh, on launch. So with E3, I think the spectacle here is is the taking away what you can of the titles that you can look forward to, to getting um, and then seeing. I mean, it's the same thing as trailers with movies. You know, you see trailers for movies that shows you all the funny, interesting, exciting, uh, emotional bits to get you interested in what the story is about and then you go to actually see the story to enjoy the full telling of what's going on even with like titanic you know it's going to happen but you actually want to get in there and see what's going on with it uh to, to why that story is interesting and if you haven't seen titanic i'm sorry the ship sinks but it's a lot more than that um it's been 84 years and I think that's going to do it. There's a couple games coming out. New New Super Lucky Lucky's Tale, which is uh, going to be a platformer, 3D platformer, kind of like Banjo-Kazooie, which was crazily announced for the, the Smash Brothers. Didn't see that coming, but kind of saw that coming. Um, 
maybe we'll get rare replay. I was really hoping that they were going to be announcing uh, Sea of Thieves on Game Pass coming to Switch this year. I, I was really hoping that that relationship with Nintendo would would just get even better uh, post Cuphead, post uh, Banjo Kazooie coming to Smash Brothers. And you know, there's still time. There's there's still time. Game Pass could, as a service, still be put on the Switch. Um, I think Microsoft is is in the position where they're building the best uh, the best game as a service or game service than any other company, uh, even PlayStation, which conveniently forgets that they have these things, according to CJ, which I agree. I don't think they pay much attention to their services. And Nintendo doesn't is still trying to work out how to log into the Internet. Um, they're still expecting you to, to voice chat with people on your mobile phone as opposed to having like a party system. Um, and yeah, I think that's, I think that's it as far as like E3 news guys. I, I think you've, you've listened to this episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, I know I mostly just talked about like what's coming and why I'm excited for it. Uh, I didn't dive into too much other than the Nintendo stuff, but this is all stuff that's been on my chest and I love talking with you. I love, uh, playing games and to be able to share this is, is been enjoyable. Let me know if, if this is something that you want to have more of, let me know, uh, if this is something that you want to, to stay off except for, cause I'm probably going to do E3 next year. Same thing. I'm probably going to, I'm probably going to have the same kind of a thing because everyone shuts down on E3, uh, aside from announcements. And if they're not announcing anything, then they're going to, they're going to do what they did this year, which was go to E3 and not have any news about, about the game. So it's either going to be a lot of news or no news. It is, it's a famine or a feast with this situation. So um, hopefully you enjoyed it, though. Hopefully you had a good time listening to this. I had a good time kind of going through and getting excited about all these different things that are going to be coming. And I look forward to seeing like how the rest of this year plays out. We still don't know anything as far as Sea of Thieves news goes about what's coming down the line. I'm imagining we'll probably get um, new content in, let's see, we are probably going to hear something soon towards the end of the month uh, with the coming patch and then post and post 26, let me actually take a look at the, the Let's see the do, 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 do. Yeah, I would say the 26th of June is when they were planning on having that next patch. Uh, so not this week, but next week, the week after um, we'll, we'll probably get an update that will have some changes. Uh, I think they said that the letters of recommendation are coming for the, the two different the two new trade companies and um, some bug fixes and stuff. And we'll probably get some content in July. Uh, you know, the arena, the arena, and the the Tall Tales have only been out for for a short amount of time. A lot of people have gotten them done, but a lot of people haven't. And as a result, uh, they should get some time to kind of get used to some of the new stuff in the game. And in the meantime, we've got a lot of other stuff that that's available to us. So, looking forward to seeing what your thoughts are of this episode. Uh, let me know. There's plenty of ways to do it. You can always reach me on uh, through email, c-a-p-t-l-o-g-u-n at gmail.com. You can always reach out to me on Xbox, too. My gamer tag is Captain Logan, C-A-P-T-A-I-N-L-O-G-U-N. Uh, you can always um, hit me up on Twitter at C-A-P-T underscore L-O-G-U-N. 
And uh, yeah, join the Discord. Feel free to jump in, chat with us. There's a channel for general gaming. There's a couple specialty channels for some of the games that people are interested in right now, as well as just general channels for the different consoles. And, you know, there's always always something to chat about. So feel free to jump in if you have any questions, comments, concerns about the podcast as well, too. Uh, Pirates, um, I'm going to go ahead and, and hold off on my captain's log. I had a great time sailing the other day. And uh, uh, I do have a couple of stories I do want to share with you. But the episode's already running long. And I want to get you guys out of here. There's, there's plenty of other stuff to listen to. So I love you. Pirates, thank you. And I look forward to sailing with you on the Sea of Thieves. Thank you.